Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 190 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined by KSR's very own Zach Gagan. Zach is a has become a regular on the show, breaking down all good things Kentucky basketball recruiting, and we are here once again to break down uh, the Louisville Nike EYBL stop that just happened this past weekend, session three. Uh, Zach, I know we had a good time with it. As always, how the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic, Jack. That was another great ad read by you. Oh, well, thanks. That, that means a lot. After after saying the same thing for every single show for the last hundred shows, I hope I could have the uh, memorization aspect of it down, Pat. Yeah, hey, you're getting good. Well, obviously, a lot of talent in the bluegrass state. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. We always go on these road trips to, you know, shoot Orlando and Indianapolis and Chicago and New York and, you know, just go down the list all every year. We, you know, travel to Timbuktu for these events. This time around, we actually get in our own backyard here in Kentucky and just go figure uh, the one time it's in Louisville. I have a freaking wedding I'm in uh, for it. Uh, we got our, our boy, Sean Smith, uh, the regular co-host here. Uh, we got him pitched this past weekend. So uh, that was a, a little bit uh, of a challenge going back and forth and you know, trying to make it all work. But we were able to make it make it work. You kind of held down the fort to start with. And uh, I came in, uh, came in and off the bench and 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 we, we wrapped things up pretty nicely. So let's go through some of the top targets that we saw. Uh, some of the latest scuttlebutt we heard about each of them. You know, we we've talked about most of these guys in depth. Uh, over the last several months, so you, you know, it, it, we don't necessarily need a scouting report breakdown of every kid and a back and forth and just let this thing drag out for an hour and a half. But really, just kind of a uh, how did they perform based on what your expectations were? Did they look better than the last time we've seen them? Just kind of the the current trajectory of where each of these uh, prospects stand. Zach, we got to start at the top of the list with a guy that 
is going to be committing in the next couple of weeks. Robert Dillingham, we got a chance to talk to him. Really, one of the you know very few media members got the chance to sit down and talk to him this this weekend. He kind of uh, early in the weekend said, "I know what I'm doing. My recruitment's wrapping up. We're done." I don't know what else there is for me to say. So uh, media members just stopped following him around and asking him questions, uh, knowing that they were going to be told no. But we got lucky on the very last day. He sat down with us and and kind of broke things down for a couple of minutes. Absolutely, you know, glowing. Uh, talked very highly of Kentucky as expected. Kentucky is the overwhelming favorite going down the home stretch. Uh, but really, he he the, the biggest statement is. Uh, that he made was, I, I'm done. Uh, my recruitment's done. I know exactly where I want to go. The announcements are already created. Uh, and then he kind of talked about how excited he is to get this process wrapped up. So uh, just from that standpoint, uh, just kind of how excited are you to have Robert Dillingham's decision be over with and have, have you know, Kentucky seen as the uh, pretty overwhelming favorite going down the home stretch? Well, I think it'll be great for Kentucky to hopefully land him and, and start adding to this 2023 class that we hear is going to be one of the mega classes, supposedly, that Cal is trying to load up on the top guys. Uh, the June 24th decision date has been floating around. He kind of uh, said that that wasn't the case, but didn't necessarily deny it either. So I would still expect it to happen around then. Uh, he was also sporting a pretty cool Robert Dillingham shirt. He, had, he said he made just two of those so far. I think he's going to have to make a few more of those here in the next uh, couple months. I'm sure that the NIL deal is already in place, if I had to guess. Uh, but as for his actual game, I was uh, much more impressed with Mr. Rob Dillingham uh, than I probably was in Indy, where I left with maybe a few questions of just, you know, kind of how uh, him and Calipari might get along in terms of, uh, you know, Robert's play is can be a little erratic at times, and obviously Calipari wants – you know, he needs a big time, you know, steady floor general. Um, but overall, I was really impressed with how Rob played. I thought he was lightning quick, getting to the rim. He was uh, did it pretty easily, even though he doesn't necessarily have the big size for it. The big number was, uh, what was it, almost 45% from three on a bunch of attempts over his five games. I think about five attempts a game or something along those lines. So that was where it was like, okay, this kid can, he really can score from just about anywhere. He's very smooth. Uh, he's a nice kid to talk to as well. Um, but overall, I definitely left uh, more impressed and, you know, ready for Kentucky to kind of go all in on him than I maybe was previously. And with the way things are turning with trending with DJ Wagner, who we'll touch on in a second, uh, it kind of feels, uh, I don't know what the word is. It feels good to have a, a guy kind of in that back pocket that, you know, can take over that role, if you will. Yeah, and you know, Rob is has always kind of been that larger than life personality. Uh, you know, that fits in very well at Kentucky. He's a, a, at a big spotlight place right now at Don Academy. Say what you want about, you know, the the school itself, but this is a guy that is literally under a microscope every single game that he's on. He's always has, you know, all the highlight reel companies, you know, the ball is life, the, the overtime elite, all that stuff or the overtime, you know, uh media outlet, they're all there watching every single one of his moves he's media trained you can clearly tell that he is you know he's polished in that area so you know that that side of things i think will benefit him very well if and when he does decide to uh, eventually commit to kentucky uh, his game itself again like you said erratic is the best way to describe it he's going to do things that will make you want to pull your hair out he does a lot of uh, you know, crazy things that result in unnecessary turnovers, 
but the dude is nonstop entertainment, nonstop fun. Every time he takes the floor, uh, he's the, I was, ta- I was talking to somebody else about this. There's not a lot of can't miss entertainment guys in this class that you go, ah, like, you know, you look at the schedule of whatever event we're at and you go, ah, that's the kid I'm looking forward to see this weekend. I, I'm very excited to go see this. You're like, eh, you know, Ron Holland has kind of been underwhelming. I guess we can sit down. KJ Evans, eh, you know, it is what it is. You kind of go down the list. There are not many of those guys that you go, I want to get my pop bucket of popcorn out and watch him play. That's who Rob Dillingham is. He is. He's quick, uh, quick as lightning. Can beat you off the bounce. Can you know crafty finisher around the basket. Elite shot maker. You know his shots a little unorthodox, but uh, the dude shot forty four point eight percent from three uh, on thirteen of twenty nine attempts uh, across five games. Uh, averaged 22.4 points per game, 2.6 assists, uh, shot less than 50% from the field just once. So uh, he was efficient. He was entertaining. He was dynamic. Had a couple of costly turnovers, but though it's kind of one of those. He'll do 10 things that make you go, wow, damn, that kid's awesome to watch. And then he'll do one or two things that make you go, ah, come on, man. You got you to tighten that stuff up. And I think with, with a guy like that, you just kind of got to live with uh, the good and bad that comes with him a little erratic, but for, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, very, very productive play. Uh, I also uh, to interject before we move on. I also liked how he played alongside another kind of smaller guard in Aiden Holloway. And it felt like they really worked well together and kind of gives hope that, you know, you know, even if a DJ, you know, combo comes to fruition, it feels like those two guys could work really well. Even if you want to, you know, throw Reed Shepard into that mix, uh, it feels like Rob is very willing uh, Willingham, if you will, to, uh, you know, work with his other teammates. And yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I lost myself with my pun there, but yeah, I was impressed with how he played alongside Aiden Holloway, who's a really good uh, player as well. I think he was looking at Auburn and Tennessee. So we'll probably be seeing him, some of him uh, in the very near future, but that was what I liked uh, additionally about him being able to score is he's able to play with other good players as well. And they, uh, his team CP3 was actually missing uh, one of their better players. Um, so you can add that to the mix as well, and they'll be better. Yeah, and Gigi Jackson, who's Gigi, yeah. you know on top three player and on threes recruiting rankings. Uh, also, Ian Jackson, who we, we've talked about on the three uh, SSB circuit, he is a guy that's heavily considering a, a reclass. I talked to him at one of the last uh, EY, uh, a or three uh, SSB sessions, and he did not deny that a reclass. If you watch him play, he's a twenty twenty four, but physically he is clearly there. Uh, so. UK may not land DJ Wagner, but uh, Ian Jackson's definitely a guy that's physically ready to go, especially fitting him alongside a guy like Rob Dillingham, who is widely seen as a guy that needs to add another 15 pounds of muscle and, you know, learn how to finish through contact and things like that. Ian Jackson, that's literally what he's known for best. So having those two guys kind of complimenting each other, uh, I think is definitely uh, a positive. I guess we have to talk about the other elephant in the room on that note, DJ Wagner. Uh, you know, played very, very well as he has done time and time again this spring and summer. Uh, you know, he was a guy that we have been a little bit down on after his, you know, a little bit underwhelming junior campaign for Camden. Uh, he's a guy that I thought kind of plateaued there for a little bit. Uh, I think he definitely turned things up and, and has really played efficient basketball. Uh, you know, getting to his spots, knocking down jump shots, strong finisher around the basket, coming off screens very well. Uh, just does a lot of little, you know, very polished basketball player DJ is. 
one of the things that we talked about beyond his play, because he is who he is at this point, we've seen him play a hundred times. We know exactly who DJ Wagner is. Um, the kind of latest buzz about Louisville and, and, you know, Kenny Payne hiring Milt on, on as a player development role. Um, we got to see that with our own two eyes for the first time, seeing all of the connections you saw Milt Wagner there. You saw, you know, former U of L, you know, Purvis Ellison is there is the New Jersey scholars, you know, director, you know, program director. You got Boo Brewer there who, you know, used to play Louisville has close ties to the program. You just go down the list. It was Louisville connection after Louisville connection after Louisville connection. And, you know, Lance Ware was there. Kareem Watkins was there. There were, you know, Kentucky ties and, you know, UK fans were definitely lining the, the uh, court to watch him play. But uh, Zach, it, it was very clearly an overwhelming flavor of Louisville. And it kind of made you feel a little like, hmm, I think I can tell where this is trending. They they did not let him uh, him talk. They didn't let Aaron Bradshaw talk the entire weekend uh, with all this news coming out about both of them, you know, and the connections with Louisville and Milt Wagner being hired and all that. They did not allow him to talk a single time all weekend long, which you'd think that they'd want to get out in front of that stuff. But at the same time, I understand why they would want to just kind of say, figure it out on your own. We'll, you know, when the time comes for a decision, we'll, we'll make that happen. But that part was, you know, you, that was the first time that I really left an event going, hmm, I think we know where this is trending. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. That Leaving the event uh, was kind of the first time where I was really, I was like, okay, you know, there's, it's clearly that Louisville is all in. Because like you said, the entire, I mean, it was like, it was like an alumni club at times that you had Purvis Ellison and then all just Milt Wagner. And you even had current guys like Sidney Curry was up there. Uh, you know, you saw former players all over the place. I swear there was 75% Louisville fans, maybe 25% Kentucky fans. I was kind of shocked at that aspect of it too. And then you had DJ going up and it, he actually, he would take pictures with all the kids and stuff. And they'd get him to try and vote the L's up and stuff. And they obviously didn't do that. Um, or he obviously didn't do that, but my biggest kind of takeaway from it was, you know, them not letting him do interview stuff. It's like, I don't know if I'm off base here, but that almost feels like more of an indicator that he's, going with Louisville as well. Just, uh, you know, I don't know how I would reason that, but just feels like with, uh, with them, not with him, with them, not letting him say anything, you know, you can just kind of let the narrative as it is continue to go instead of, yeah. uh, you know, changing it with whatever DJ might say. So uh, just everything that kind of happened is leading me to believe that uh, DJ is definitely trending heavily towards Louisville. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw is probably a little bit of a different story. Um, Cause I think UK is would, would really like to take him, you know, regardless of what happens with DJ. Um, but it was, it was kind of, you know, every single time we went up and asked after a game, we would go, uh, Hey, can we talk to DJ? They say, no. When can we talk to him? Oh, probably next game. They were say, they would always say most likely after the next game and anything other than a straight up. Yes. Was always going to be a no. So it was kind of frustrating at that uh, for that. Um, but like you said, you kind of understand why they wouldn't want to, kind of change maybe how the narrative is trending right now uh if you want to put it that way yeah i think that's probably you you put it very well in terms of the narrative is what it is and all of the buzz right now is louisville you'd think that they'd want to get out in front of it if there was something to deny you know like if if they 
wanted people to think, well, no, it's wide open. He's still considering Villanova and Memphis and, you know, all these other schools that are still recruiting him, quote unquote, like right. this is a Kentucky versus Louisville battle. It always has been the minute Kenny Payne was hired there. It's a Louisville versus Kentucky battle with the Cardinals uh, very clearly having the momentum and edge right now in this recruitment. Uh, and you, you'd think that they would go out of their way to, you know, try to deny some of that stuff. And they didn't. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's it, it, it. They made a statement by not making a statement, I think, is the best way to put it. Um, let's keep moving down this list. Uh, two guys. One guy did show up uh, physically, but, you know, <laughs> the, the production still wasn't there. The other guy didn't show up at all. Uh, both clearly seeing their stocks uh, tank just a little bit. J.J. Taylor in the rankings right now, he's dropped all the way to 33 overall in the latest 20, uh, 247 sports rankings. He was number six overall. Um, K.J. Evans is, you know, Kwame Evans Jr. He's a guy that uh, he's always been potential, potential, potential when he puts it together, when he ultimately, you know, figures out how to turn that potential into production, he's going to be special. He's this, he's that. Well, we're now three sessions into the EYBL season. I mean, four plus games at every stop. So we're now 15 games into his, his you know, going into his, his senior year AAU ball. And he really hasn't developed at all. And I think it's starting to get to the point where you go, you know, maybe this kid just is who he is. And I think uh, the, the recruiting tides are starting to trend that direction where it was. Kentucky all in on him. Some other blue bloods are all in on him. Uh, now it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, Oregon was a pretty firm leader. Maybe they've kind of tanked, topped off just a little bit. Now Arizona has emerged as a, as a top threat, but uh, this isn't an arms race basically to, to do whatever it takes to get this kid anymore uh, because we've been waiting for him to turn this potential to production. But at some point, maybe that's just not who he is. Uh, maybe uh, he's just EJ Montgomery in the class of 2023. And, you know, th there's a spot for that type of player in college basketball, clearly. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think teams are tripping over themselves to sign him the way that they were before. Uh, and the same goes with J.J. Taylor. Goodness gracious, I, we have not seen a kid's Scott, uh, stock tank the way that his has uh, fallen the way it has. He just didn't even show up this past weekend. He took a leave of, ab a leave of absence for Mac Irvin Fire. Those are two guys that I think people are starting to view in the recruiting world as, hmm, I think I'm good. Yeah, it just seems like with J.J. Taylor, you know, I don't want to rag on these kids because we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but he had the whole thing where he transfers to Donda. He does he does okay out there. Then he, you know, really underperforms in his first few, uh, well, I guess not really underperforms, but not up to his standards, uh, kind of in the first whatever EYBL games he plays. Then he's just a no-show this week. Uh, he kind of like has vanished from doing interviews and things like that. Um, I think I heard something that he's going to transfer or change AAU teams going into the fourth session, um, which is just, you know, that seems kind of ridiculous at this point, but you know, it, no one's really seen the kid play. And whenever we do see him play, it's, it's not uh, anything like what we saw last year at uh, the Pangos camp, which is where, you know, I was personally kind of blown away. He was the best player there. He won co MVP or whatever. And yeah, yeah. was one of the best players. So it was clearly all there. So I'm not sure, you know, maybe he's got people in his ear that are maybe giving him uh, the wrong advice type thing. Uh, I won't speculate any more than that. 
Um, but as for, I, I just, it just feels like Kentucky's kind of cut off all contact mm-hmm. with him and he may just be, you know, who knows at this point what's, what's going on in his recruitment. As for KJ Evans, uh, we won't continue to beat a dead horse. Um, but I will for another 30 seconds. He's just not been very good. Um, and it's kind of disappointing because I, he's a guy that I really liked when I saw him at Montverde. He was obviously in a, like an off-the-bench role, and uh, he was like the seventh-best player on a team that was filled with a bunch of five-stars. Um, so you, when you saw the flashes, and that's all you saw was flashes because he wasn't playing enough to not play uh, just small spurts, you were like, oh, well, that's you know that's why he's number two. And now that he's kind of the man, um, it's just not coming to – like he shot – I'm looking at the stats here. Uh, with t- 12 games with Team Duran, he's a – 49% from the field, which is not terrible, but when you're six foot 10 and you kind of need to live around the rim, it should be a lot better. He's 15% from three. That's terrible. The worst number I see is 16 of 34 from the free throw line, which I, which is dreadful. And if he wasn't eight for nine in the very last game of uh, the EYBO, which has been the, the one time he's actually performed well, uh, his numbers would look a lot worse than they are. So uh, that was longer than 30 seconds, but I'm also still kind of in on KJ because I do think, you know, put him, give him more time to kind of develop into this role and we'll see where it goes. But, you know, if, if it, if it comes to Montverde this, this uh, fall or whatever, and he's still kind of looking just like this, cause he's obviously going to be in a bigger role. Uh, then we might need to really have this discussion of, okay, this kid, you know, he's just not what he, what we thought, what he, what we thought he was. Yeah. Clock is clearly ticking on, uh, both of them, really. I think the, they're kind of starting to get to the point where teams are just going, you know what? I think there are better options out there, and can, Kentucky is clearly uh, on that list. Uh, Ron Holland, another guy that he has seen his stock just you know, soar the last several months. He had a phenomenal junior year uh, down at Duncanville in, t- in Texas. Um, you know, physically 6'8", 200 pounds. Uh, kind of a Terrence Jones type mold where he's that four, but very athletic and, and you know, pretty skilled for his size, but, uh, it, you know, very long and powerful. And, and you know, he, there's a lot to like about him. He, he's a very college ready game. But at the same time, you look at, you know, the YouTube videos, you look at some of the past scouting reports of his time at Duncanville, and all of them bring up his second to none motor, how he's a guy that just never never gives up on either end he's a fighter he's a you know he's a dog all the li- all, all that stuff you go down the list and now this is a second straight event Zach that I have come away incredibly underwhelmed with his motor and you know taking possessions off and you know floating on the perimeter and jacking up threes and not being able to do much of anything in the half court really uh, if he's not you know getting a full steam you know head of steam getting out in transition and going to try to dunk on somebody's head he really hasn't shown much of anything outside of open catch and shoot threes so uh, this is a guy that you know, he exploded onto the scene, jumped up to number two overall in the on three recruiting rankings. And I think at the time that was deserved, but I think it's time to start considering him more as a top 10 to top 15 prospect than one of the best of the best in the class. I think he's still, there's still a lot to like about him. He's a college ready game. There's I really struggle to figure uh, to find a scenario where he's going to be a bust in college because he is just such a college ready physical presence that you know when you're six eight six nine two hundred plus pounds with a good frame to add weight um, those guys just rarely fail uh, at that level but 10.6 points and 6.2 rebounds per game in three three days uh, in louisville uh, i mean you want more you're starting 
you expect more. And, you know, especially him as the star of that Drive Nation team that just lost KJ Lewis. He, you know, he was kind of the other top end four star recruit that they had on their roster. He's no longer there. So you were expecting him to kind of take a significant jump. He's no longer there. Uh, and then we still haven't seen anything out of him yet. So uh, that part was a little bit frustrating. And, uh, you know, I, I'm firmly in the we'll see camp with Ron Holland uh, at, at this point. Yes. Uh, so I kind of agree with, uh, your ass- or assessment of Ron Holland's ranking, probably top 10, 15, uh, is probably, you know, more suitable right now. My thing with Ron Holland is, uh, you know, his numbers didn't really jump, jump off the page, 10 points and six rebounds. But my kind of thing with him is, you know, what, what does he do good? Like, what does he do in above average level? Um, you know, that very, that sticks out, you know, his motor is kind of what has driven his ranking up. Um, but, and like you said, that'll work in the college level, but it gets to a point where you got to bring a little bit more of the floor than that. Um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't rebound at a high level. Uh, he doesn't score at a high level. Um, actually the best, he doesn't really shoot at the high level either. Uh, the best game that I saw was from him was when he, uh, went head to head with KJ Evans, which, you know, a year ago, that would have been really, really good matchup. But now it seems like, you know, he should probably be dominating that matchup. And he actually had a really nice, like step back three over him that looks pure, but I think that might have been his only made three of, or maybe one of two of the whole event. So, yeah, some question marks with Ron Holland. Uh, I would definitely, you know, if, if he's a guy that Kentucky wants to get and in this, and they gets an offer on this visit, which I'm sure he will, uh, I would definitely take him on the team because I think there's a lot to like for a guy uh, that kind of has maybe an Alex Poitras or a Terrence Jones mold, like you're saying. Um, that can just kind of body dudes and and be big, and eventually, you know, that that will translate. So. Uh, yeah, some question marks with Ron Holland, but overall, um, my opinion on him hasn't changed much over the last few weeks or a couple months. So I guess on that note, we, we just talked about JJ Taylor. We just talked about KJ. We just talked about Ron Holland, uh, Justin Edwards and Matas Buzelis are the two other, uh, you know, wings that Kentucky is going after. You know, I think Kentucky's in a better spot with Matas right now than they are with Justin Edwards. You know, Tennessee has kind of emerged as a pretty firm leader for Justin Edwards, but, you know, UK is still uh, looming as that second option, I guess. And I guess if you want to include uh, Milan uh, Momchilovic, who we'll, you know, we'll talk about here in just a second, but of that group, I think those are the kind of the guys that Kentucky has zeroed in on at that wing position. I guess if you want to consider uh, Andre Stoyakovich on the three SSB trail, those are seemingly the the four or five wings that Kentucky is going after. Um, Who are you taking right now? Because everybody talked about how this was one of the, you know, strongest wing classes we've seen in so long. But it seems like a lot of those guys have kind of plateaued a little bit. Uh, is there a guy for you that has firmly solidified himself as the, okay, that's the wing that Kentucky needs to go after? Uh, well, I'm still on Matas. Uh, I'm still a big fan of him. Uh, you say, you know, kind of plateaued. I, that is kind of fair. I would say it's more like he's just been steady and he hasn't necessarily – uh, you know, had massive, massive games, but he's just a guy that is just very steady in what he's going to do in his game. Um, and I was, you know, not overly impressed with what I saw this this past weekend, but it was pretty much what was in line with what I already thought of him and that he's just, you know, kind of a, a raw six foot 10 point guard type guy who needs to still, you know, work on his handling and his dribbling a bit, but can score from anywhere 
and just has some crazy length. So he's, he's a guy that I'm still in on because I think that you can kind of build a team around a guy like that. Um, and I only say that because I don't think Kentucky is necessarily in the race for Justin Edwards all that much or nearly as much as Matas uh, just coming away from the weekend. It, it feels like Kentucky and North Carolina are really, really going after Matas. And I think even just from this conversations we had, it sounds like Kentucky might actually be, if you want to pick a leader, they might be one of the teams that are up front there. Uh, if not, maybe like a Wake Forest or one of those nearby schools for him. But um, I was still very impressed with what I saw from Matas. And he's, like, I, like I've said many times before, he's a guy that I would like Kentucky to get. And I just think they have a better chance uh, that with him than with Justin Edwards, who I do, who has performed pretty well, uh, especially this past weekend. He was not bad for um, team finals. So I like him. I just don't think that Kentucky necessarily has as, as big of a shot with him. And his offensive game isn't nearly what it is with Matas's, even if, you know, the defensive end is is where Justin Edwards really shines. Yeah, I mean, Justin Edwards is being basically told, you can come in at, at Tennessee and be a superstar. You'll get as many touches and shots as you want. Don't go to Kentucky because they're going to, you know, try to pigeonhole you into playing a specific role. Team first, you're not going to get yours. Uh, here's why you need to value getting yours. And, you know, they've been in their, his ear constantly. And unfortunately, that's just kind of what he has wanted, wanted to hear. It's what his camp is like to hear. And uh, I think that, that that is done very well for Tennessee in that regard. And it has not done very well for Kentucky. And I think that they have some ground to make up if they want him to be that. I will say that Kentucky is very high. I was, you know, kind of, just talking with, you know, somebody close to the program about the difference between Matas Buzelis and, and, you know, a guy like Leonard Miller, who at the time, because I, I wasn't super high on Matas before this spring, and that was kind of when Leonard Miller emerged as a, as a top guy for Kentucky, uh, I was like, yeah, I think Leonard Miller is kind of the guy that everybody thinks Matas Buzelis is. And you, the you know person close to the program kind of cut me off and was like, well, let's make it pretty clear that Matas is 16, 17 years old. Leonard Miller is 19 and, you know, has been a different format and, and different structure of, of style of play and where he came from. And he was like, that's not necessarily fair to Matas. You you could tell that UK is very high on Matas and his long-term trajectory as a basketball player. They're all in on him at the wing position. They think that he is a kind of guy that, uh, you know, and it, it kind of goes against, especially with, uh, you know, having a guy like Rob Dillingham, who is also kind of similar player. Matas is a guy you kind of got to live through the mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over. He's going to, uh, you know, kind of get out physical and uh you know do things you know because he is 610 a buck 80 if that um you know has the length as that but he gets a little frisky at times with his decision making and wanting to kind of force the issue at times and uh he's a 610 point guard he's a 610 you know point forward i guess he's not a stretch four he's not a catch and shoot guy on the wing he's a guy that you need he needs to have the ball in his hands to be you know rather successful and uh, you know, I think Kentucky's very high on him and think it's a good, it's just, it kind of goes against everything Cal has been doing the last five, six years and who they, who he's brought in. Uh, he's kind of played it safe with the players that he has brought in, kind of the, the uh, just just safe players that don't turn the ball over. To, obviously, Savier's kind of the exception, but just guys that dance and kind of do things on the on their own that's just not who Cal has been for a while and you got Matas and you got Rob Dillingham who UK is very high on on both ends and uh, that's exactly what they need they need the ball in their hands and they like to you know 
show, not showboat, but show what they got a little bit with the ball in their hands. So it's just interesting how things have progressed. Uh, and, you know, I like it. I mean, I like both of them and I like both of their styles of play. I agree with you. I think if there is one guy of that group, I think Matas probably impressed me the most. Although I don't think we can discount Ron Holland as a college ready type player. If he can get his motor back, you know, back working, he's clearly a physical presence who can dominate at the college level. Uh, so you can't discount that, uh, discount that. But in terms of being fun, I think Matas is definitely that guy. Yeah, and I think at UK, he'd probably play more on the wing as well. He wouldn't play, you know, the primary point guard role. Um, I also think it's very hard for six foot ten guys to just, you know, beat point guards because the ball has a long way to go down. It's just hard to have a tight dribble and tight handle. Like even guys like Kevin Durant can get ripped you know, even with that tight, tight of a handle, just because they're so damn tall. Uh, so I think he'd probably get slotted on the wing and, um, you know, hopefully he'd be allowed to play, do his playmaking and, and work out there a little bit more and, and, and maybe spot up a little bit. So I don't know if his role would be the exact same as kind of what it is right now. Uh, but I think that's probably better for him in, in the short term. Uh, Long term, he probably would like to be a point guard in the NBA. We'll see if that, you know, gets to that point. But um, yeah, just big fan of, of Matas, and, and I think UK is in a good spot as of right now. Um, we, we talked a little bit about the wings, and you know, Milan Momchilovic is a guy that Kentucky is kind of flirting with a little bit. They have the team hero connection. Uh, he, he likes Kentucky. Last time I talked to him at the previous event, uh, previous EYBL stop, uh, he did say that he liked Kentucky, but uh, he's a six foot eight, you know, not a whole lot of lateral quickness, but uh, but or overly athletic. But goodness gracious, that dude is as skilled as as they come. Um, you know, has that Dirk Nowitzki uh, step back, you know, one foot jumper, and, and you know, he does a lot of things that you like. Scores a ton of points in a, in a long variety of ways. Scores at all three levels. I love Milan, um, but. You wrote in our EYBL takeaways and breakdowns, uh, is Milan Momchilovic a take for Kentucky? And I think it's a very fair assessment because he was one of the guys that people were going, ah, he is the fastest booming guy in the class. He's going to kind of be the the star of this EYBL season. And he has been. Uh, he has scored a lot of points, and he has been very impressive on that front. But you know, it, it, there's still the the flaws are still pretty pretty glaring, and I, I think it's it's an interesting question you asked. Is he a take for Kentucky? And I want to ask you on this this platform, what are your thoughts? Do you think he is a take for Kentucky? Well, I'll just give my exact straight answer from my article. Probably not, at least not right now. And I think part of it is just because you know he scores at an elite level, probably one of the top two or three scorers in the entire class. But outside of that, he's very limited. Uh, he's six foot eight, power forward, so he's already a little bit undersized. Can't play the five. Not quick enough to play the three. Uh, he's definitely he's not probably a little too small to play the four as well. Um, not a great rebounder. You know, a little slow footed. But my God, he can score from like he shot forty five percent on insane volume. Uh, you know, as pretty much the first, second, third option for Team Hero, a Team Hero squad that isn't that, like really doesn't have that much talent around him. Uh, and he's leading these, this team by himself and putting them on his back and just scoring buckets after buckets. Um, but it's all the kind of other things that I've talked about, like just the the slow foot speed. He, he would probably get roasted by 95% of SEC players. Um, and it feels like he's trending towards more Big Ten type schools just from our conversations. And, and that feels like just a better fit in general. Um, 
because I feel like they have they don't have nearly the, the same level of athletes uh, in that in that conference as the SEC. But the scoring is crazy, and and I think UK would could benefit from that. But uh, there would be a lot of negatives that I'm not sure would be able to be covered. Or I shouldn't say negatives, but just uh, things with his game that probably wouldn't be able easily covered up. I guess if he went to Kentucky. All the things that you hated about uh, about Kyle Wilcher, very similar situation. He's an elite scorer, elite three-point shooter, a guy that he's going to give you buckets, but how many of those are, are is he going to give up on the other end? What is he going, you know, will he be able to get to his spots? You know, he has the, the, the footwork and he has all the other, you know, the skill things, but does he have the quickness and, and the, you know, lateral movements and, uh, you know, can he create space in the SEC? And that's very much up in the air. He's giving, I mean, averaging 23 points a game, uh, uh, you know, I think top five in in the entire EYBL circuit in scoring. Uh, but, you know, it, he kind of is who he is. If you like that type of thing, you know, I, I it's hard to find a better guy in, in the class that can do what he does. But at the same time, I I agree. I, I still want to see more out of him. He needs to get quicker. He needs to get more athletic. And at this point, maybe he just is who he is. And maybe, you know, the Big Ten would be a better fit for him. Uh, let's round things out with one final name. Aaron Bradshaw, we touched on him uh, a little bit when talking about DJ and kind of how they were under lock and key with the media this weekend. But I will say Aaron Bradshaw was phenomenal. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, my big question with him before when he – I really wasn't impressed with him when I saw him uh, back in the wintertime. Um, I just thought he was kind of this slow, lumbering big that didn't move really well, not uh, twitchy, just you know, not very instinctual, just kind of a – lumbering kind of dinosaur of a big who is seven foot one 200 you know kind of a a poor man's version of james wiseman without the skill you know kind of a just that big lumbering big guy um i will say the start the spring and summer i think he's added quickness he's gotten lighter on his feet he's jumping extremely well catching lobs blocking shots he looks like that traditional runs the floor well you know kind of giraffe seven foot one shot blocker rim runner uh you know power finisher uh in the uh, around the paint like i i have been have nothing but kind words for him this this spring he's absolutely proved me wrong uh he averaged 15.7.2 rebounds and 2.6 blocks per contest uh in louisville shot 66 percent from the field and the scholars were four and four and one on the weekend uh zach i know that you're very high on aaron bradshaw as well you in fact said do whatever it takes to go get go get aaron bradshaw on the website so uh Get your opportunity to kind of plead your case about Aaron. Well, he was named the uh, defensive MVP by season ticket for the entire event. Uh, like you said, nearly three blocks a game. Um, and it's not just, you know, that 66% number from the field. It's not just dunks and layups. The guy is really trying to expand his game. He's got a fadeaway touch right now that he's, you can tell he works on. Uh, he can post up a little bit. He's still not shooting threes yet, but I, he, he said that he wants to uh, start doing that. And you, he shoots well from the free throw line. You know, he's, it seems like he has kind of the uh, the tools to do all that, uh, to go out and, and stretch it a little bit more. But he also just seems to have a real good feel for the game, and he knows how to play alongside two really good players in DJ and McKenzie uh, uh, Baco, which is, you know, that's not really a knock on him because wherever he goes at the next level, he's going to be playing, you know, ideally with good players as well who know how to get him the ball, and uh, he knows how to kind of do his role without doing too much. 
Um, the shot blocking is just, it's elite. I, he's probably the best one or one or two best shot blockers in the entire class. Uh, he's just got good instincts on that end. I think in my article, I kind of, you know, think of him in the mold of a Damian Collins or a Nick Richards, who's probably not an immediate impact guy because he's still a little bit raw and he's still trying to put everything together. Um, so he might need a year or two, but at the same time, he's been really just kind of almost twice as good. It feels like as he was now than he was when we, uh, you know, kind of saw him back in January or whatever it was at the hoopaw thing. Um, it just feels like it's all quickly kind of coming together for him. And like, he's, he's a guy, he's a kid that saw his braces on type. Like he's just, he's young. He's, he's got, uh, he's got plenty of, of room to grow. And I think he can add a little bit to his frame as well. And, you know, if he can add an extra inch or, or two or something, I think he's, you know, one of the better prospects in this class. Well, uh, Zach, I believe that wraps up our EYBL recap. We will be back uh, this weekend. We are headed to Vegas to see the Pangos All-American Camp, our favorite event of the year. This is where the media access is, is the absolute best. It's a conglomerate of Adidas, uh, Nike, and Under Armour all under the same roof. The best of the best in high school basketball all come together, all classes, all shoe circuits, um, you know, independent as well. So all the guys that aren't tied to a, a shoe name uh, as well, they, they are also included. It's a phenomenal event. We will be there from uh, we're getting to Vegas Saturday, but the game starts Sunday through Tuesday. So we will uh, be doing another show kind of breaking down who we see, who we like. Uh, if there are any interviews that stand out last year, Zach, if you remember, that's where we broke a lot of recruiting news. That's when Jalen Duran announced that he was taking an official visit to Kentucky before he was going to make a reclass decision and, and a, a, a commitment. Uh, we talked to Derek Lively. We talked to, uh, you know, Keontae George. I mean, the, the, the whole list of guys, the best of the best were out there. So we're very much looking forward to that. The guys official roster didn't go to Kentucky. Yeah. None of them ended up going to <laughs> Kentucky. So, uh, hopefully, that turns around. I think Reed will be, has been invited to that. Can you confirm that? He's been that? invited. I don't know if he's going or not. I'm going to try and, but now that you bring that up, because I don't know the rock, I don't think they've been announced yet. So I'm not like, I would imagine that Reed's going to go and then you're going to probably have more local guys. Like I would imagine Caleb Glenn, maybe George Washington, the third end up going there as well. Um, by the way, just side note, Caleb Glenn, we saw him at EYBL. That guy looks like a, like he would like one punch might kill somebody. He's not, he looks like a straight up linebacker. That kid is huge. I'm really not looking forward to Kentucky having to face him uh, in the paint. So, but that was side note. But yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of really good guys. Hopefully we get to see guys like Stoyakovich uh, for the first time and maybe even Xavier Booker, who's another three SSB guy. So really looking forward to that. It's awesome. The, the, the access is great for it. Like you said. We will be there this weekend, and we are very much looking forward to breaking down all things that we see and hear. Uh, we'll uh, make sure that we record as often as we can as the uh, good games and, and interviews ra ramp up. So we're very much looking forward to that. Uh, with that, Zach, it was a great time. Once again, we love doing it, love having you on. Looking forward to the next show here in the next couple of days. It's going to be a great time out in Vegas. Hopefully you don't kick my ass in the uh, casinos again because uh, me, me coming on empty-handed and you coming home with, 700 freaking dollars or whatever it was was not a lot of fun so let's change that this time around zach uh great time having you as always uh let fans know where they can find your work 
You can find me on work at Kentucky, or geez, well, well, words. You can find my work at KentuckySportsRadio.com as always, or on Twitter at Z Gagan KSR. That's G E O G H E G A N. The triple G. You can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Source Say podcast. We will see you then. Hey!